So again, good evening. Are you guys excited that we're getting ready to move? I can't wait. Because I know it's a God thing. Tonight's verse is actually Acts 16, 6 through 10. It's about Paul's vision of the man in Macedonia. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready once at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now this is Paul's second missionary journey. His first was with Barnabas, and you can read that in Acts 13, 4 through 5. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed to the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, or Salamis, different pronunciations, different things, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Here again, Paul has been called to share the gospel with others. Paul, knowing that God called him to do, obediently follows God's call in his life. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Paul and Silas tried to go south into Asia, but God said no and put up roadblocks. Then they tried to go north, and they got the same response. They had already come from the east, so their only avenue left was west. West to the Aegean Sea, the region of Troas, and where they waited for their instruction from God. Imagine being forbidden by God for preaching or sharing God's word to others. You've been called to do it, but he's told you no. Here are Paul and Silas, knew they had to share Jesus with others, but the Holy Spirit kept them from going where they would not be heard. Possibly because the people were not ready to hear from God. Maybe they weren't ready to hear the good news, or maybe Paul and Silas just needed to slow down and wait on God to open the minds and the hearts of the people they were going to preach to. They needed, God had not opened those doors yet, which is why no matter where he went, they said no. God kept saying, no, you're not ready to go there. God had to go before them and prepare the way. They needed to follow not just what God was telling them to do, but where God was calling them to do it. God's plan and design was for Paul and Silas to minister to those he had prepared for the gospel. There's always an important reason for aspiring to do the will of God. God sees all things. We don't. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. We see our yesterdays and our todays. God sees our tomorrows. We observe life circumstances from our human perspective. How Kristen mentioned the other day, 
that you were talking about the mosaic. Yeah, the mosaic. God sees things from a spiritual realm. We see from our human perspective. We see through clouded vision. God sees clearly. We sow the seed, but God knows where the where to plant the seed. We take aim at game when we're out hunting. We're searching all over, but God knows where the game is. God has prepared it for us. God knows where the harvest is. He's already worked it. He has prepared it. And now the only thing left is the harvesting. In Matthew 9.38, God tells us, So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Did you hear that? In charge of the harvest. We're not in charge of it. He's in charge of it. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Brothers and sisters, we are his workers. That's what he's called us to do. He didn't tell us to go out and prepare the land. He's already done that. He's prepared the fields for us. He's just told us to go reap the harvest. Bring it to him. In 1 Corinthians 9.26, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. God knows what he's prepared us for. We cannot see it from where we stand, but we must be obedient to hearing his call, his still small voice to go where he's called us. If we stand right here, all I see is you guys right here. I don't see what's going to happen later. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see behind you. I can't see. But I know what I can see behind me. I just look around and I can see behind me. We can all see our past. We can all see right here. But I can't tell you what it, what's going to be there tomorrow. Only God can do that. To hear his still small voice, we must, we must be in constant communication with God. Just as Paul was. So that we can discern whether God is calling us to stop, look, and listen. Or if it's Satan throwing up roadblocks so that God's will is not followed and we get sidelined. Satan is evil. He uses trickery. He uses our complacency to stop us dead in our tracks. Unless we are communicating with God regularly throughout our day, we can be fooled by trickery and deception. Remember, Satan's goal is to stop us. He is here to stop Christians. Satan doesn't need to work on the non-Christian. He's already got them. If they haven't accepted Christ, they're his. He has to work on us. He has to trick us. He has to deceive us. And he can do that if we're not in God's word. If we're not asking God, what is your will for me? Where should I be? Where do you want me? In Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against rulers of the authorities, against the powers of the dark, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're not fighting each other. We don't have to fight each other. 
We don't have to fight Satan out there. That's God's job. He's got it. Let him do it. But we can't know unless we're talking to God. We have to be in communication with him. We have to be in his word. Saying, oh, I read the Bible last month. Doesn't get you there. You have to know your Bible. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, as we all need to be. If Paul had gotten frustrated and walked his own way, rather than wait on God to send him a vision, remember verse 9, during the night Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come to Macedonia and help us. Paul and Silas could have ended up out of God's will. And instead of bringing the gospel to Europe, they could have dropped that ball. Paul and Silas listened to God. Paul had an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. Every day before we even set our feet on the ground, we should be praying to God, order my steps. Keep me in your word. Keep me in your will. Remember, before all of this with Paul, he was a Pharisee. In Philippians 3, 4, and 6, he was a persecutor of Christians. So for him now to come to hearing God, following God's call, and knowing that he knows that his life is in God's hands, that's miraculous. Amen. That is a miracle. We have that same promise. Beloved, I promise you, I promise you, if you ask God to keep me Keep you in his will. He will. He's not going to fail you. His word never comes back away. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Psalm 37, 23. I want to say that again because to me it's so important. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. You're not walking on rocky ground. God has already firmed your footing. He's already prepared you, preparing you. When we are in daily communication, we've developed a right relationship with God. He's able to direct our path. But until we take time to be in his presence, listen to his direction, we just walk around aimlessly. Have you guys seen when I have really bad MS day? And I'm just kind of walking all over. And I'm trying to go in a straight line. I'm over there and I'm still over here. That's how we walk when we're not in God's presence. That's how we walk if we're not standing firm in him. I walk that way because of MS. But that's how we walk. We might not have the appearance of walking all over. But that's where we're walking. We can't walk aimlessly. We have to be sure-footed in him. Until we take the time to be in his presence and listen to his direction, filling our time with unimportant, trivial, mundane things, we're just passing through life. Rather than living a life full in Christ, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Wow. 
Nowhere in God's word does it say, well, my plans are for you just to exist. Just go through the motions until I return. You accepted me, you're good. That's not what his word says. We have to be, we have to be in his word. We have to be in communication with God. We have to be in a relationship with him. My grandson asked me, our oldest, our nine-year-old, the one living with us, asked me, Mama, can I, can I get baptized? He's one of the ones that wants to get baptized. And we sat down and we talked to him. And I said, Jacob, what does it mean to get baptized? And he was able to tell me all the right things. I said, how do you know for sure? He said, because I read my Bible every day, Nana. I said, why do you read your Bible every day? He said, because I watch you read yours. We have to impact the community around us. We have to impact our families. Doesn't mean I always do the right thing, no. By any means, no. But we have to be in his word. I now have a nine-year-old grandson that wants to get baptized. Not because of anything I have done, but because God allowed that time that I spent in his word to impact. Much like Paul and Silas, who have gone around and talked and preached and shared, to impact the lives of others. It's so exciting. God tells me he wants to prosper me. Do you know what prosper means? By Webster, it means to favor, to render successful, to be successful, to succeed, to be fortunate, prosperous, to thrive, to make gain, to grow and increase. We have to grow and increase so that we can prosper. That's Webster's definition. I'm sure God's definition is much grander than that. Much grander. I'm sure you all agree with me. Paul was considered a success in the kingdom of God. Think about it for a minute. Thirteen books of the New Testament are attributed to Paul. Let me tell you, his success was not the result of his schooling or having other opportunities others didn't have. His success in the kingdom was a direct result of being in the will of God. Remember, originally, he was a persecutor of Christians. He didn't have better schooling. He didn't have better anything. He just had more relationship, one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus Christ, who gave him the authority to go out and preach and to go out and share Jesus with others. Think about a time when you were doing something really good to build the kingdom. Maybe you were leading a Bible study, teaching kids choir. Who knows? But you were doing it. Not necessarily the way God had chosen or the timing that God had chosen, but you were doing it. Did you accomplish something good for the kingdom? Absolutely. Absolutely you did. But had you been in his will, you might have accomplished something great for the kingdom. We can accomplish good things for God, but being in his will accomplishes great things. That's exciting. 
Do you know how many times Kristen and I went to Lincoln Park to pray? To pray in the community? To pray outside the building? We even had you guys come over. Each of us developed a vision of what God can do here. Lincoln Park, that's the, the unincorporated, the unfinished building. We all had visions of what God was going to do there. We all said, oh, we could have this, we could have this, we could do this. And it was going to be good. It was really going to be good. Does that mean we were out of God's will? No, I believe that really God had us there to prepare us for the next step. Maybe he had us there to say, hey, they're listening. They're trying to be in my well. They're following where I'm leading, even though it doesn't make sense. Financially, we couldn't afford the building. But we were going to take a step of faith. But maybe we weren't exactly where God wanted us to be. God kept opening doors and opening doors and opening doors and closing doors all over the place. But he kept opening that door for us. And then finally, as we're praying and praying and praying and as we're all praying, God kept closing those doors little by little by little. And then God opened this other door, huge door, where the church, we went to visit, and they have welcomed us with open arms, loving us, before we're even there. Does that mean we couldn't have done good things over at Lincoln Park? I'm sure we could have done good things. But when God has called us <coughs> to Hollywood, he's got great plans for us. Yeah. Not just good. Because we can all do good for God. But when we're in his will, following his footsteps, we can do great things. Because that's who God is. Don't get me wrong, I hate change. I hate change. Most people don't want to be part of something that's moving or changing. We want to be part of something that's stable, stationary, steadfast, permanent. Something that's familiar. Don't take me out of my comfort zone. No one likes to move out of their comfort zone, especially me. But life is about change. Think about when you first accepted Christ. Were you so excited to go out and share with everybody? Look what God has done in my life. Look how God has changed me. Now where do we stand? Do we still go out with that same zeal and that same zest? When people and churches refuse to change, we tend to cut ourselves off from life. More importantly, we tend to cut ourselves off from the living God. We shut the door on him. Have you ever watched faces of church congregations on TV or wherever, previous places, and just watched people sit there, stone-faced, not moving, not saying anything, just sitting? They put in their hour, 45 minutes, whatever, and then they leave. And then somebody from the board says, oh, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's be a little different here. And they go, oh, oh no, no, we've never done it that way. I don't want to be part of that. That's different. I don't like that. But unless we're willing to be part of that and step out and be different, we're just going to stagnate. We're just going to sit there and get moldy and do nothing. 
Here at Sawgrass Community Church, we strive. No, we crave to be a body of believers, a church that walks in God's will, with his direction, with our feet firmly planted in his word, so that we can accomplish his will for us as a church and for each of us as individuals. I'm excited about it. But beloved, we must learn and we must know it's not always in a strong wind. It's not the earthquake. It's not the fire. It's not a raging sea that we hear God. More often than not, it's that still small voice when you're sitting there talking to him on your way to work or you're just sitting there in the quiet of your house that you say, okay, God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? That's when we hear God. Can we hear him in a raging sea? Absolutely. But he often speaks to us in that still small voice to remind us to sit with him, to commune with him, to listen to him. We cannot know what his plans are for us unless we develop a close relationship with him. And we must be present in that relationship. Have you ever just read the Bible? And not really read the Bible, but just read the words. You just kind of sit there and you don't absorb it. You don't think about it. It doesn't impact you. You just read words. It's words on a paper. Anybody that knows me sometimes with music, I've said it's just notes on a, it's just words on a paper. It's just notes on a paper. You can't read just words on a paper. That's not what the Bible it's our guideline. It's our lifeline. That's what changes us. That's what moves us. You can't just come to church on Saturday or Sunday morning now. Once a week and expect God to say, okay, Darlene, this is what you're going to do. You have to be in a relationship with him so that he can say, Darlene, are you hearing me? Can you hear him? You just took on three kids because God called you to do it. That's awesome. That's incredible. And you know that it was all God. You wouldn't have heard him if you'd have just gone through the motions. Beloved, I know, I know in my heart that if you ask God to make his will a desire of your own heart, he'll do it. He promises us in Psalm 37 and 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. His word never comes back void. In Isaiah 55, 11, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve purpose for which I sent. Remember, Paul went back out. Paul went all over. He tried going this way, this way, this way. God had a purpose for him. God sent him where he had already prepared the field, where he had already prepared the hearts and minds of those going to receive the message. I ask you tonight, brothers and sisters, are you willing to go where God has called you to go? It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You must be in his word. 
You must be in his face. And he wants you to be in his face. He doesn't want you to just come up Saturday or Sunday and say, okay, I'm here, God. And then sit down and then just get up and walk out. He has put us here together as brothers and sisters to lift each other up, to hold each other up. So sometimes steer us when we're going in the wrong direction. They can come back and say, hey, wait, come back. This is what God says. We're here for one another. We're here as a body of believers that want to follow God's will for our lives. As I said, Sawgrass Community Church is a strives, prays to be in God's will. I ask you all, just as I ask myself, am I willing to take the step to be in God's will? It takes prayer, it takes dedication, it takes commitment. Paul and Silas had it. Paul, just like us, was a sinner. Paul, prayerfully, just like us, was in communication with God on a daily basis, on a regular basis. We all need to be there. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do with us at Hollywood. Because I know that I know that I know He's already prepared that community for us. He's already opened the church up. He's already had them welcome us with open arms. I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Because I know that my brothers and sisters here at Sawgrass are going to be in God's will and are going to do everything that God has called them to do. It's an exciting time. Change stakes. This is a good change. Change is life. We all change daily. Change our clothes, we change our socks, hopefully. <laughs> change happens. The only thing that we don't change is the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope we're willing to. See what God has opened for us there. I hope we're willing to not sit in the pew and be unwilling to change. Change is scary. But it's exciting. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time tonight. We thank you for every opportunity you've given us here. Father, we're just so blessed to know that we can be in your presence, we can come to you, and that you're going to answer our call, you're going to answer our cries, you're going to answer our pleas. Father, we just love you and we thank you in advance what you're going to do for Sawgrass over at Hollywood. I'm just so excited, and I know that we as a church just want to be in your will, Father. We just ask that you keep our eyes firmly focused on you and our firm feet firmly planted in your word. Keep our brothers and sisters safe as they leave tonight. Guide them to the right direction next week. Remind them Sunday. 